Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. I've got to say this, I have battled sinus crud all week. And um, I lost my voice for two straight days. I mean, when a pastor loses his voice, it's peace at his house. (laughs) But it is panic in his soul. It reminds me of the story I've heard about the the older pastor who went to the dentist to get a, a, a new set of false teeth. Brand new set of teeth. And he shows up to church the following Sunday and he only preaches for eight minutes and sits back down. Next Sunday, he preached for a solid 10 minutes, and he sat back down. But the third Sunday, he preached for two hours and 48 minutes straight, and they couldn't get him out of the pulpit. They finally pulled him down and said, Pastor, what's gotten into you? He said, well, the first week, I got these false teeth. It hurt so bad, I could only preach eight minutes. Second week, it got a little bit better, but it was still painful. I could only preach 10 minutes. Third week, I think I put my wife's false uh, set of teeth in. (laughs) I couldn't be quiet. (laughs) Hey, baby, I got my voice back. That's all I'm saying. It's back. Oh, man. We're we're in a series called No Filter. Somebody say No Filter. Uh, We've talked about filtered faces. I think this is a great series, just authenticity. I really feel God is bringing authenticity back into the church. If you want a genuine move of God, you've got to keep it real. Can I have a good amen? Uh, No filter has challenged us. The, The freedom to be ourselves is the freedom to be our best. And last week we talked about in Christ, we've become a new person. Old things have passed away. Can somebody say amen? Aren't you glad you don't have to be haunted by the things of your past? Oh, God's grace, it gives us a fresh start and a new beginning. Today, I want to talk to you. The title of the message is simply this, direct messages, direct messages. We're going to talk about temptation. And we've been using social media as kind of a a picture to really unpack this idea of no filter. You know, social media is a public platform, and it gives you the opportunity to tell the world what you're doing, as if the world cares about everything we're doing. We post everything, don't we? Hey, here's what I ate for breakfast. Hey, check out my cat. You like my cat? Look, look, isn't my cat cute? You know how I feel about cats. (laughs) Every time I talk about cats, I'm telling you, I get a ton of pictures on my phone of their precious little cats. God bless your little furry friends, but I don't want to see them. (laughs) Are we, hey, I just finished my, my quiet time at a coffee shop. Look at how spiritual I am. And so it's a public platform to display all kinds of personal activities. But I learned recently there's this thing called direct messages. Like uh, Instagram has a, I didn't know this. I did not know. Of course, there's a lot of things that I don't know. 
But I've discovered that direct messages are a way to communicate something in private directly to that individual that the whole world doesn't see. Have you guys identified that? Did, did you know that was out there? Yeah, so if you're on social media and you're posting something for the world, but then who's ever following you can DM you, direct message you. It's like, wow. Okay, if you guys have DM'd me and I haven't responded, please don't be offended, all right? I'm just now learning what this thing is about. I can't keep up with it. How many of you can't keep up with it? And then I learned this week that there's a, there's a phrase called sliding into the DMs. <laughs> what? You knew about this? <laughs> For real, how many of you, you knew about sliding into the DMs? Oh yeah, you did. Come on, you saved, you single, and you searching. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Babe, I didn't know this was a thing, but sliding into the DMs, for real. It's, we're old school, all right? It's sliding into the DMs is like where you, you know, you're following somebody. You may not really know them, but you kinda, you're interested in them, and it's a way to flirt. It's kind of the, did you know that? Sliding in the DMs. Hey, holla. What's up? Hey, I saw, I, and it starts real generic, but then it's hopefully leading. Come on, talk to me. So yeah, you pastors getting a revelation, isn't he? I'm learning about y'all. Back in my day, we didn't slide into the DMs. It was like, hey, do you like me? Circle one, yes or no? Why you gotta be so complicated? I think the original DMs were what's called United States Post Office. Rachel and I dated long distance for four years, okay? This was before cell phones, before internet, before text messaging, before sliding into the DMs. We wrote letters. For four years, we wrote letters. And this girl can write some of the best love letters. Ooh, she would fill out some paper. Listen, 20 page, I would go to my post office box. I was in college. She was a little younger. She was in high school. <laughs> and I would go to the po post office box and I would, I would get this thick envelope and it was stuffed with, with paper and, and she would spray every single page with perfume. Oh yes, she did. She sealed it with a kiss. It had lipstick marks on the back side. Come on. I would get that letter and I'd be like. That girl trying to slide in my DMs. We got to get to the word. Come on, let's get in the word. Oh, it's getting a little warm up in here. Today, today I want to talk to you about a direct message. It was a, 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 a personal, private conversation between Satan and Jesus. I want to talk to you about the, the, the temptation in the wilderness. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and of course you know this, we'll see this, but 
He was publicly baptized, but, but immediately following his baptism, the Bible says he was led of the Spirit into the wilderness, and he had a direct confrontation with the devil. Now, this is important. This is familiar. Uh, many of you, you've heard this. We've taught this before, but I want us to see it through a new filter, okay? Three things I want to give you this morning as we talk about the temptation of Christ. I want to, I want to show you the setting. I want to talk to you about the strategy, but then we're going to finish with the solution, okay? The setting, the strategy, and the solution. And this is super important for us to go over. I'm going to give you some game film. Is that all right? Can we study some game film together? My son, and he plays football at Dunham, and, and they're, they're playing this Friday against Catholic. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, you felt that? I did too. And guess what? He's been studying some game film. He says, Dad, they're all bigger than you. They're stronger than you. They're faster than you. I'm like, son, I'm not the litmus test of a good football player. <laughs> but we're going to learn some things about our opponent today. All right? The setting, number one. Check this out. In Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This is important. Let's circle that phrase. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness to become tempted there by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Somebody say 40. 40 days, 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry. It's interesting that the text would tell us the Spirit led Jesus into this battle. Now, why would Jesus have to fight this battle? Why would he be led by the Spirit into a conflict? We see this was preordained by the Father himself. This battle originally started in Genesis chapter 3. Remember the Garden of Eden. Remember there was sinless perfection. Remember Adam and Eve had unbroken fellowship with God in the garden, in this paradise and then something happened to change all of that the enemy came and tempted the first Adam the enemy came and sold the first Adam a bill of goods that wasn't true there were lies that that the first Adam believed and sin entered into the world now in this battle the last Adam named Jesus is fighting for what was lost you see, what the first Adam lost, the last Adam will redeem. Where we have fallen short and failed, God's strength can enable and redeem us. This is a, a huge moment. This is kind of like a, a title fight for the heavyweight champion of the universe. This is Satan, the father of lies, versus Jesus, the savior of the world. This is the ultimate of good versus the very incarnate of evil. Uh, this is like LSU, Alabama. Come on, somebody. We all know who the good guys are. Now, I know when we read this, when we read this, we think, well, Satan doesn't stand a chance. I mean, come on. He's fighting against God. But wait a second. I want you to pump the brakes just for a moment. Jesus has the odds stacked against him. You say, Mike, why do you say that? Well, because Jesus is fighting this battle not as God, but as man. 
Okay, so I want you to shift gears for a second because you think, well, like we know the outcome. It's obvious. It's a no-brainer. Of course, Jesus is going to win. He's God. But the Bible says that Jesus made himself lower than the angels. And who was one of the most prominent, beautiful, powerful angels of all? Lucifer, Satan himself. And so check this out. Jesus is not fighting as God, but he's fighting as man. And, and watch this verse, Hebrews 2.9. What we do see is Jesus, who for a little while was given a position a little lower than the angels. And because he suffered death for us, he is now crowned with glory and honor. Yes, by God's grace, Jesus tasted death for everyone. So Satan is a member of the highest class of angels. And now Jesus, he has humbled himself and embraced all the limitations of man. The Bible says he fasted for 40 days. Now, if you fast for four days, if you fast for four hours, come on, somebody. Let's keep it real up in here. You're going to get physically weak. Jesus was physically weak. He was relationally isolated. He was in the wilderness around no one. Think about it. Physically weak, relationally isolated. He was spiritually vulnerable. Jesus embraced all of the vulnerabilities and frailties of man as he stepped into this. Jesus was tested for 40 days. And at the end, Satan brought his greatest onslaught. Now, 40 is a biblical number. 40 is an Old Testament number that means testing. 40. Remember, Noah was in the ark, and it rained 40 days and 40 nights. 40 represents testing. The, the children of Israel, they wandered in the wilderness for how many years? 40. They were being tested. Even Moses was tested. In fact, I love what D.L. Moody says. Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody, 40 learning he was nobody, and discovering 40, uh, and 40 discovering what God can do with a nobody. I love that. 40 symbolizes testing, and for 40 days, Jesus fasted, and here came the test. Now, let me give you some temptation facts, okay? If you're taking notes, you need to re remember this. The devil's been doing this for a long, long time. Long time. Longer than you and I have been around. I know we got a lot of wisdom and age and experience here, but the devil's been doing this from the beginning of time. He is an expert when it comes to temptation. Another fact you need to remember is this. Temptation is customized for your weakness. The devil never attacks strength. He attacks weakness. And if you don't know your weakness, you're in trouble. See, the devil's been doing this forever. Temptation is customized for weakness, but then you need to know this. Temptation makes promises that it can never keep. It promises you freedom, but it makes you a slave. It promises you happiness, but it robs you of your joy. It promises you pleasure, but only brings pain. Temptation will make promises that it'll never be able to keep. Satan at this point is batting a thousand. 
No man has been able to withstand the tactics of the devil. And if Jesus doesn't win this battle, then there's no hope for the rest of us. Now, let's be unfiltered in this moment. Nobody is exempt from temptation. Nobody is. Come on, let's don't play the religious game when we come to church. Let's don't act like we got it all together and we're above temptation. Nobody is. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, rich or poor, educated, uneducated, I mean, Baptist or Catholic, Cajun or heathen. Come on, somebody. You will be tempted. It's the common denominator that unites all of us from the first Adam to the last Adam and everybody in between. Listen, I've been tempted to be lazy, to be selfish, to be jealous, to be greedy. And that was just this morning on my way to church. (laughs) Number one, somebody say the setting. Number two, say the strategy. Now, look at what it says in verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Now, I want you to let that sink for just a moment. How did the enemy attack Jesus? What was his strategy? It was to challenge and question Jesus' identity. See, this whole thing called no filter is about who you are in Christ. And so the very point, the very target of the enemy's plan against you is to get you to question who you are in Christ. And now, now, don't forget that in just the previous chapter, Matthew 3, verse 16, Jesus was baptized. And and remember what happened after his baptism. When Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Remember, and what was the announcement that God gave from heaven? This is my son. He's the one that I love, and he brings me great joy. Notice the three things God announced from heaven. This is my son. That's identification. The one that I love, that's validation. In him, I am well pleased. That's affirmation. Can I tell you, you're going to find identification, validation, and affirmation only in God. And when you search for it in an outside source, it creates confusion in who you really are. And the devil loves to put a question mark where God puts an exclamation point. Mm, 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 come on. Well, I feel like we're preaching today. You see, the tempter is a liar. And he wants you to question everything that God has said. Before Satan attempts Jesus to do something sinful, he first casts doubt on who Jesus is. Now, listen to this statement. This is very important. I know we're kind of teaching, and this is academic, but this is probably one of the most important things I'll say all day. Temptation is not just the lure to get you to sin, but it's the lie to make you doubt who you are. It's one thing to be lured into sin, 
But within that temptation is camouflaged the lie to cause you to doubt who God created you to be. Now, last week we said you're in Christ. The old man is dead and the new man is alive. You see, temptation is designed to resurrect that dead man. And when you forget who you are, you live like the old man that's supposed to be buried and you neglect the new man that's been brought to life. The new desires. You see, the enemy's trying to to get Jesus to question. He's turning, this is my son, to if you are really the son of God. You see, the devil will say things like this. If you really are a Christian, you wouldn't struggle with that. If you really are a Christian, your kids wouldn't be acting like that. Come on now. If you really are a Christian, you wouldn't worry or have fear or anxiety. Can I tell you, there's all these question marks that the devil tries to create where God has emphatically put an exclamation point, you are my son. You see, there's a connection between what we believe and how we behave. Listen, if you're not believing the right things, you won't behave in the right way. If you start believing the lies of the enemy, you're going to operate off of his script. And we got too many people who are under the banner of Christ, but they're operating off of the devil's narrative because they've forgotten who they are. Have you ever believed something that turned out not to be true? We, 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 we do it all the time, don't we? I think there's this trends on social media. I was today years old when I found out. Like, 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 you'll get cramps if you go swimming right after you eat. Mama, it's not true. Or what about this? It's safe to eat food that's been on the floor five seconds or less. I thought that was true. How about the five-second rule? Come on, talk to me. That was just mama trying to keep the floor clean. Pick up after you. That's good. You can eat it. Five seconds. Or what about this? It takes seven years for your body to digest gum. Not true. Or what about, this is gross, you swallow eight spiders a year while sleeping. Have you heard that? That's gross. Keep our mouth shut. <laughs> or what about this? If you drop a penny from the Empire State Building, you could kill someone. Not true. I'm not going to try it, but it's not true. Or what about this? Touching a frog will give you warts. That may be true. I'm still... The truth is this, Satan is the father of lies. You got to know this, that, that the enemy of your soul, he hates you. When he sees you, he's reminded of the image of God. He sees the goodness of God, and he's reminded of all the things that he forfeit when he got kicked out of heaven. So he can't defeat Jesus. He's going to do everything he can to, to hit you and to hurt you and to tear you down. The very thing Jesus died to redeem. See, the enemy knows that if we believe something wrong, we'll do something wrong. But here's what, if we know that the devil is a liar, then here's what we have to do. When the devil speaks a lie, we've got to do two things. Number one, we've got to call it out. Don't let that lie just sit in your head talking to you. You got to call it out. And then number two, you got to thank God that the opposite is true. 
call out the lie of the devil, and then just thank God for the opposite. When the devil comes at you and says you're worthless, call it out, say that's a lie. Lord, I thank you that I am a son or a daughter by birth and not by worth. I don't have to earn my way into your good graces. When I am born again, I am born into a family. You are my God and I am your child. And I am your workmanship. I'm your masterpiece created by God in Christ Jesus to do good works which you prepared for me to walk in. When the devil says, oh, you're fearful, then you need to say, hey, well, it, that, may be, that may be what I feel, but it's not who I am. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. God, I thank you that no fear dwells here in Jesus' name. Call it out and then thank God for the opposite. Maybe you're battling addiction and the devil's telling you you'll never be free. You say, oh, wait a second, John 8, 36, he that the Son is set free is free indeed. God, what you've started, you will complete in me. The devil says, well, you're wayward kids. They'll never come back to Christ. Mm -mm. Proverbs 22, 6, God, you said that if I train up my children in the way that they should go, when they grow older, they will come on. They will not depart from it. You see, even the prodigal, I want, to, I want to speak to parents of prodigals just for a moment. We know the story of the prodigal son, and we know how he broke the father's heart. Man, we, we know the wrong choices that the boy made, but you know, the dad, the Bible says the dad was on the front porch holding out hope that his son would return. And you know what you got to pray as a parent? Lord, whatever pig pen my son or daughter needs to find... Whatever, whatever arranged situations so that they come to themselves. Uh, God, you're going to get their attention and you're going to remind them they had it better in the father's house. When the devil lies to you about your wayward kids, you thank God that the opposite is true. Maybe it's sickness in your body. Oh, you'll never recover from that. Well, well wait a second. Isaiah 53, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Healing is mine in Jesus' name. Maybe he says, uh, you'll always be poor. You'll always be broke. You'll never have enough. My God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Oh, you'll be single forever. You'll never find anyone to marry. All the good ones are already taken. Can I, can I talk right here just for a moment? I want to talk right here. I want to talk to the single people just for a moment. I think this is going to help you, all right? Because I think there's some myths about marriage, you know? That, you know, oh, if I can just find my Prince Charming, all my dreams will come true. All my prayers will be answered. Married folk will tell you. Some of you single people are sad, but married people are mad. Come on now. Oh, they say dating brings out the best of you, but marriage brings out the rest of you. Come on, talk to me. 
Psalm 37, 3, the Bible says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto him and trust in him also and he will bring it to pass. God, I trust your timing for me. When I'm ready and when that person's ready, God, I trust my time is in your hands. Oh, you're weak. The devil says you're weak. You say, you know what? God's strength is made perfect in my weakness. The devil says, oh, you're alone. You say, I may be lonely, but I'm never alone. He said he would never leave me. He'd never forsake me. The devil says, you can't. You say, wait a second. My Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that today. Somebody say the setting. Say the strategy. Look at what it says, 2 Corinthians 2, 11, so that Satan will not outsmart us for we are familiar with his evil schemes. He is a liar. Hear me, beloved. The devil is a liar. And whatever he says to you, you thank God for the opposite. Now let's give you the solution. Here's how Jesus responds. And I want to ask the, the band to get ready. Matthew 4, 4, but Jesus told Satan, no. Come on, somebody say no. Mm, doesn't it feel good to say no? Oh, man, we got to set some boundaries here. Some of you have a hard time setting boundaries. Some of you have a hard time saying no. You've said yes to too many things and too many people, and you wonder why you're miserable. Listen, you're going to have to make some people unhappy in order to be pleasing to God. Jesus hears the lies of the devil and he calls it out and said, no, uh-uh-uh, no, no, that, I'm not going to allow that into this space. No, I'm calling it out. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Notice what Jesus does here. He uses the scriptures. You see, listen, <laughs> You're only one step away from stupid. Are we keeping it real in church? You and I, baby, I'm sorry. I said stupid. That's, that's not a nice word. It's not a nice word. I felt like it was appropriate, though. There's a difference between ignorant and stupid, right? Ignorant means you don't know. Stupid means you know, but you do it anyway. And we're only, we're only one step away from stupid. And the moment you don't think that <laughs> is the moment you've stepped into stupid. <laughs> Listen, you can be the right person, but you do the wrong thing at the wrong time. You're in the wrong place, man. I'm telling you, you'll make poor choices. And the enemy knows this. The temptation that you and I underestimate will eventually become the sin that overtakes us. Notice what I said. I didn't say temptation is a sin. But if we underestimate temptation, it will produce the sin that will overtake us. Jesus fought the devil with this thing right here. Your ignorance of God's word is the most effective weapon that the devil will use against you. When you don't know this book, then you don't walk in its power. 
if you know the word, then you can use the word. The Bible says this is the sword of the spirit. What do you do with a sword? Man, you slice and dice the devil and you cut him down to size. Big bad devil doing all these scary things. Wait a second. I got some weapons here. I got something available to me. And if I speak the truth of God's word, how do you expose a lie? Because the devil is the father of lies. Here's the way you do it. It's with this book. See, the truth about you is found in this book. Don't, don't let the enemy trick you into thinking that you're the person that you were. You're not that person anymore. Listen, don't judge me by my past. I don't live there anymore. I'm in new space. I have new thoughts. I have new desires. I've got a purpose. I, God has a plan for my life. Man, I'm saying no to the things I used to say yes to. You know why? Because my desires have changed. I want to do what's pleasing to the Lord, and I know who I am. I know who I am because I know whose I am. You know this book. This word is true. And when we know truth, the Bible says, we are set free. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit HealingPlaceChurch.org.